0: Connect to more. Nothing like breaking news to start the Monday off right. But it's going to help us bury the lead all the way around. Welcome in. Nuana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula. Statewide, SWX Montana Television. I'm Coulter Nuanez, Riley Corkin, voice of the Grizz. Joining me in studio, we are broadcasting from the ESPN studios right here in the Garden City, courtesy of the Missoula Broadcasting Company. We got to get right to it because we got a jam-packed show today. I know all of you probably are ready for a nap after the uh, most boring Super Bowl. Actually, here's the thing. We're going to get into this, but yesterday's Super Bowl, to me, as someone that watches the line play, was a thing of absolute beauty only because one team completely dominated the other team, and I think that no matter how much football has evolved, it all still relies on one factor. If you own the line of scrimmage, you're going to own the day. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers did that yesterday. We're also going to recap all of the action in uh, Big Sky Conference hoops from both the men's and women's teams from over the weekend, but we got to get all the way back to the beginning, the thing that we've been tracking both at SkylineSportsMT.com as well as ESPN Missoula here has been the coaching search for the Montana State Bobcats. And uh, if you're watching on TV, hi, everybody. We're on SWX Montana Television. Thanks for being here. But you're going to watch me do this, publish. Look at that. That's a a scoop into the ethos. I actually can't take credit for a full scoop on this one because uh, Football Scoop, which does a great job with these coaching searches, uh, they're actually the ones that reported this. But Brett Vegan, expected to be named the new head coach for the Montana State Bobcats, Football scooper reported this uh, at 3:17, so about 45 minutes ago. I got two sources connected to Vegan to confirm. So it looks as if, unless barring some sort of uh, unforeseen circumstance, which we've already seen twice, and we'll get into Brent Vegan, the offensive coordinator for the Wyoming Cowboys, expected to become the new head football coach at Montana State University. For listening on the radio, you already know it's 102.9 ESPN. If you're, listening, if you're watching on TV, excuse me, SWX Montana Television. If you want to watch us live, it's easy. Just go to 1029ESPN.com. Click on the Listen Live tab. There, there you'll find the stream. The stream is presented by Opportunity Bank of Montana. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. And if you want to give us a call or shoot us some texts, that's great as well. 406-361-3688. 361-3688. All guests. Join us via the Rangich Brothers RV phone line. Corcoran, good to see you, buddy. Uh, I know you had quite a
1: time riding the bus. Was this like reminiscent of Legion Baseball? Oh, 100%. That's exactly what I thought about, too, on these long rides. You said go to Minneapolis for the Gopher Classic an hour. (laughs) I mean, you're talking getting in a bus in Portland, knowing there's a nasty snowstorm for your last couple hours. It took us about 12 hours finally to get home. The last couple hours were brutal. We came in late Saturday night and from uh, about quarter Lane to Missoula. We we're going about 10 20 miles an hour just a nice cruise through lookout pass. it was uh, it was brutal to say the least.
0: I, I gotta ask you this. the we're, we both grew up in Montana. So taking these long bus rides, they become a part of your life. And, like, when you're in high school and stuff, I mean, you, you hardly consider how dangerous it actually is. You're sitting there thinking, oh, man, like, Pops gave me a 20 spot. I'm going to eat some candy and some popcorn Let's on the go. way back. It's like, we're going to kick it with my friends. And I remember, I mean, like, when the AA schools would play Billings, we would have to ride together. Us and Hellgate and Sentinel would ride together to go play the, what they called the Magic City Classic. To, we wouldn't bring the JV or anything. Just the varsity would go over. And we used to always be like, well, how are we going to ride on the bus with Sentinel guys for like seven hours without getting in a fight? But regardless, you don't really consider just the, the epic travel that exists in Montana and around um, just the Rocky Mountain West you're on the bus with a bunch of guys from California. Like, what do these guys, what do all the Grizz basketball players think when they're going through lookout pass? Because that is not a
1: a, a safe place to be. Well, not only the California players, but Josh Bannon. He was in the the row behind He's looking out, kind of thinking... Are are we gonna be okay here? I mean, right? just I mean, you got the snow going sideways. We're we're down. We're on the rumble strips, back and forth. And it is it's an eye opening experience for those guys, even driving through passes. And it's kind of funny just watching them observe when they look sure. outside. they're Like, wow, this is this is something that's totally not in the realm of what they do in California. But uh, I think a lot of the decision that helped, of course, uh, safety concerns number one. But number two, there was a lot of success when the team bust out to Washington. So mm-hmm. tried to do. Duplicate that success. So that's the that's the second ride too the Pacific Northwest and going, but it's uh it was a long haul and especially after a loss, you know, I mean, if you'd like to pick your wins or losses, it would have been nice to have them flipped just for a happier bus ride home.
0: Montana split uh, at Portland State this weekend. We'll get into that. By the way, this is the Montana Basketball Slash Football Hour. It's supposed to be the Montana Basketball Hour, but we've had some so much football stuff going Bonus. on. We're just doing b- football and basketball. It is presented proudly by Stockman Bank of Montana. Stockman Bank as Montana's brands of banking. Stockman Bank is a proud sponsor of Grizzeth Athletics and Montana State University as well. Thanks to all the players for all their hard work and dedication. Go Grizz, go Bobcats, Stockman Bank, Montana's brand of banking. So let's get into the the uh, news of the day. Only the only in Montana could the coaching search at Montana State overwhelm a big week of Big Sky Conference basketball, as well as, of course, the Super Bowl. We will get into the Super Bowl in the second hour, by the way. Our good buddy Anthony Knockreiner is going to swing by uh, Anthony hosts a daily radio show up in Cow uh, Spoke, Knock On Sports on KG Easy. And uh, he's from Florida. He's about as big of a Tampa Bay Bucks fan as I know. And so we always have him on because it, it is different from just you know our perspective. I mean, this guy actually grew up going to Bucks games. So he, it's in his blood. So we'll have him on in the second hour to talk about uh, the big game. And of course, we'll recap all the hoops action from over the weekend. But uh, like I said, 45 minutes ago, Montana State has a new head football coach, and this closes what's been uh, an absolutely tumultuous saga.
1: 17 days, right? I think 17 so. days. And this
0: was like a coaching search that I've never covered before because there was a whole bunch of um, factors that were completely unique to any search that I've ever covered. I've covered searches for football and men's and women's basketball coaches at both Montana and Montana State for more than a decade. Always the opening was because either the person that had the job before was terminated or their contract was not renewed, or that person got a different job. In a lot of ways, a quote-unquote better job or you know, a move up in the college football ranks or the college basketball ranks. This was neither. This was Jeff Choate basically leaving everybody in the organization in Bozeman. He goes to Texas, and we're not here to debate that. Ty Gregorak and I talked for about an hour and a half about that on uh, last Monday, so if you want to check that out on the podcast, you can. And We debated all all the ins and outs of of Choate leaving like he did, but basically what you have is you have a, a coaching staff of 10 coaches who all helped the team make it to the Final Four of the FCS playoffs last year. So You're going to want to try to make your best effort to have those guys maintain employment. That said, it's a very precarious and tough situation to try to recruit a head football coach and say, hey, you can't hire your own staff. you got to keep this one. It's a give and take. I think that there's going to be some flexibility here. We've already seen Eric Frazier, the wide receivers coach, move on to take a position with the Tennessee Titans. Uh Kane Ione, defensive coordinator, has already moved on to, to go to Boise State in the similar position. Which but, was one of the dominoes to follow. And that's exactly right. Off. Yeah, that, Let's start with that yeah. then, because here's the dominoes. Jeff, I mean, this saga was pretty epic to cover when it's all said and done. And I actually think that the fact that it's been so long and there's been so many different names that have been dipped in and out, it almost feels like a relief more than a splash that this is happening today. And I think that the, the splash and the intrigue behind it will come back around but the first domino was Jeff Choate becoming a finalist at Boise State. He was one of the top two to replace Brian Harson. Andy Avalos ends up getting that job. Well, then in the meantime, Kane Ione has sort of weaved his way into the coaching tree of Chris Peterson, Pete Kwiatkowski, and Jeff Choate. It's a great tree to be in. It's the number one reason why Choate's on his way to Texas. Kane basically had been an analyst for Pete Kwiatkowski at Washington. Kwiatkowski had been Kane's defensive coordinator at Montana State and then also uh, had been a, a defensive coach both as a D-line coach and a defensive coordinator at Boise State. So all of these different realms are intertwined. Well, Kane then has a job offer from Boise State when Chote is the finalist for the Boise State job. Then Andy Avalos gets it. Kane basically takes the job. And then a couple days later, Choate leaves. Well, Kane wants to be in the mix at Montana State. Montana State wants Kane to be in the mix, but they can't guarantee it because of a lot of different reasons. I think at a, a state position like this, you have to open up the job. It's it's uh, illegal to not. And so Kane basically says, "I'm going to take the job that I already have on the docket." And so he takes the Boise State job. So he's basically essentially eliminated from the deal. Well, then all of a sudden, candidates from all over the country start to emerge, led by a group of guys. Um, that includes Jeff Fisher, former NFL coach, Tim Drevno, who was a Jim Harbaugh disciple who was with Harbaugh at San Diego, Stanford, uh, San Francisco 49ers, and Michigan. Drevno also has Montana State ties because he started his career at Cliff School staff. Jason McIndoo, longtime time offensive line coach, was in the mix. Tim Polasek, who's the offensive line coach at Iowa and formerly of NDSU. Brent Vegan, also with NDSU ties. But the leading candidate... Initially, in the first week of this search, was Matt Lubick, who's the offensive coordinator at the University of Nebraska and a guy with deep Montana ties. Well, Lubick then, uh, after a week of this search being open, is offered the job and declines the job. He decides to stay at Nebraska. This next week goes by, this would have been last week, they bring two other candidates to campus. Ken Wilson, linebackers coach uh, from the Oregon Ducks. Trent Bray, who's linebackers coach for Oregon State. Wilson emerges as the front runner. Friday, I write a story saying he's going to probably get offered the job. By the time he leaves Bozeman, he's got himself a six-figure raise, and he's staying in Oregon. So uh, all of a sudden, Montana State's got two guys that decided to um, not take the, the offer to become the head coach. So what
1: option are are we on right now? So
0: that's basically two. So then Trent Bray is all of a sudden, though, in the mix because he's been on campus. But then they circle back around to Vegan. They get Brent Vegan on campus. And it basically, my sources said over the weekend, it was basically down to the top two, Trent Bray and Brent Vegan. And then as of today, Brent Vegan... Uh, the guy it is nuana is now 1029 espn missoula statewide swx montana television that's a lot of information there
1: but it's good to recover the timeline because it has been so long in between and you have been on this since the beginning yes football scoop might have had the final say in this but you identified the candidates from the beginning kind of the trickle down process and it just seemed to me from a more outsider perspective Coulter, that this went in waves it was the first wave of okay lubick the second wave of Really, Jeff Fisher? Maybe. Then the third Great. wave of, okay, Wilson and who else? And then, all right, now what do we got to do? We, we got to go type thing. It felt like, to me, the urgency picked up, especially when when Wilson kind of said no or or went a different direction, it seemed to me of right, we went over two weeks, it's time we need to to make a decision and go did it feel like maybe rushed from an internal standpoint from the people you talked to, was it kind of a, a, okay, we better make a decision type deal, because again, from the outside, 17 days, you covered it every single day, so you kind of lived it, but did it seem almost like, all right, it's go time now
0: Yeah, the thing that's so interesting to me is that when you talk about who was in the mix, I thought that there was several candidates that would have been great fits. And that's, that's why this is such a unique situation where you're talking about a, a priority on possibly retaining the staff, as well as a roster that's flush with talent. I mean, with this being a zero year, Montana State, if everybody returns... They're gonna have forty-two seniors on their team next year.
1: Forty-two. Oh, wow, that's crazy. That's. I mean, who wouldn't want to walk who, into that stage? exactly? You, you have a team that's ready to go, while also being able to kind of retool for the future, knowing that you're getting forty-two out the door, and it's time. Okay, now I can make my imprint on it after this big year. And that's why
0: the the question of do you want to hire for the twenty twenty one season or do you want to hire for the long term? I think that they were trying to find a guy that fit both. But it seemed to me that initially they were looking for a big splash as well as a guy that could handle the long-term more than the short-term.
1: Hence why Jeff Fisher was probably not the name.
0: Exactly. With the way that this roster is built, they return four out of five stars on the offensive line. They return a stable of running backs, and they should have one of the best front sevens not only in the conference but in the country. They still have gigantic question marks at quarterback. They're largely one-dimensional on offense. But when you run the ball for six and a half yards a carry and you rush for 300 yards a game, it's kind of hard to say that it's it's a completely deficient offense. It's just a one-dimensional offense. If you're going to hire a guy like Matt Lubick, though, who's been with David Cutcliffe and you know a variety of guru, offensive gurus, as they would say, okay, that's all fine and dandy, but is he going to be able to coach in the style that these guys are accustomed to? That was going to be the biggest challenge, I think, is there's a variety of ways to win football games. You were in Bozeman. Rob Ash was the head coach. Rob Ash was 100% an analytical guy. He, th- he thinks well, you win football games based on strategy and execution. Emotion is far down the list of why you win football games. Jeff Choate was the exact opposite of that. He thinks that the only way you win football games is just fire brimstone, just straight up, we're going to have all the passion in the world, we're going to just out-physical you. We're going to we're going to get you into a bar fight is what mm-hmm. basically what they wanted to do. So how's the roster of players? I mean, that's how they've been coached. So how do you find a guy like that? So then when you're talking about former offensive line coaches like Tim Polasek or uh, Tim Drevno or uh, Jason it seems like those guys immediately would be good. But what is their actual plan for the long term? Can they run a program? Like, are you going to have two good years and then crater the thing? I I don't know. I don't know. But with Brent Vegan, it seems now you have a guy that has he uh, to me. This is what and I, this circles back around to my main point here. Although that they offered this job to two other guys and there was a whole bunch of other guys that were heavily in the mix that removed their names. McIndoe was heavily in the mix, removed his name. Mike Riley was a hot name for a minute. Removed himself from the search. I was actually surprised that Jeff Fisher never did. It seems to me if you're that caliber of a coach, you don't want to be in the mix all
1: the way until they hire somebody and not get it. It just seems like it looks bad for you. You might, from Fisher's perspective, it might be if he gets ever asked in the future of, no, I was never in the mix. I mean, that's kind of what it seems like to me. And, And I think you're setting this up. But to me, with everything that you've said in the last couple minutes, which is entirely accurate, when this initial list came out, my biggest question is, how is Brent Vegan not a top candidate at the beginning? Exactly. I don't understand it because he does seem like a great fit on paper. He understands the FCS ranks. Had a long-time career at North Dakota State. For, for ones that aren't familiar, he was a tight end for NDSU during their dominant run in the, the mid-'90s, and then he coached at NDSU all the way until 2014, I believe, right, and then right. he goes with Craig Bull down to Wyoming, elevates himself to be a coordinator. He and, knows- and it's also
0: worth noting, too, that when uh, Chris Kleiman took the job at Kansas State, Brett Vega was a finalist in North Dakota State. A lot of people thought he was going to be the guy, but then they ended up promoting internally, and they went with Matt Anson instead.
1: Okay, that, that is a big factor in it, too, because you look at it... Vegan checks all the boxes because the short term and the long term I think is an important element for everyone out there to to when they're asking questions about well what happened here with Montana State why did it take so long because you had a couple of guys that were great fits but they did not align with the long term vision of course Montana State does not want to brand themselves right now as a uh, a stepping stone job or someone that's only going to be there they're trying they're building a facility project in the south or north end zone I should say it uh, north end zone south 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 end zone well, yeah. anyway. Behind uh, the sunny hall. There you go. Behind behind, the new end zone. See, that's how you do it. But they, uh, I mean, they're building there. They they want someone that is going to be there for a while. And vegan checks those boxes. So to me, my question to you, why was this guy not, uh, dare I say the number one candidate from the very beginning? Why did it take 17 days and two or three people to say no for them to circle back to someone to me from the FCS ranks? They get it. They understand what it takes to win here. So I don't know why he wasn't maybe number one, number two from the beginning.
0: Yeah, that is that is interesting because the, the initial names that, that dropped – when Choate first left over that first weekend, didn't include these NDSU guys, but then by the first full week, then these both Polisek and vegan were, uh, in the mix. And, um, you know, I don't know the answer to that question, and I, I can't wait to ask Leon Costello, Montana State's athletic director, because I think it's broadly easy to be really hard on the committee and say, well, what the hell took you so long? Of why course. is this a 17-day process? You know, Why did this guy not just get the job right away? But I think that there's a lot of different vetting processes that, that have to go into it. And I've heard a lot of criticism, too. Why do you have 17 people on the search committee? Well, part of that is, again, this is a program that, won 11 games a year ago and went to the FCS Final Four. So seven of the 17 guys on the committee are players. I don't think it's necessarily that great of an idea to have a bunch of players on a committee unless you're trying to get the go-ahead. Basically, they put the players on the committee to get their feedback but also so they don't have a straight mutiny. So they don't have a bunch of guys leaving. They needed guys from each position group so that they can be Tell in the locker room, here's, invested. here's what's invested and saying, hey, here's what's going on. This is what this guy's like. So I don't think that it was just, you know, Troy Anderson and Chase Benson and Lewis Kidd and Taylor Sopo are the only voices that are being heard. Like, you know that those offensive linemen are bringing the consensus from the offensive line. All 20 of them saying, this is what we think. Troy Anderson's bringing the consensus from the defensive guys saying, this is what we think. So I, th- I do think that they needed to get multiple ideas on the same page. And, you know, I also think that there's a certain element of just the, the modern nature of media. Truly, I, I think that everything in our world is, is accentuated and a lot of times exaggerated because everybody has Twitter. Everybody has Facebook. I get asked this all the time. Do kids transfer or quit college football more than they ever have? I think that the answer in football is slightly. In college basketball, it's out of control. Guys are transferring at an obscene rate in college hoops. That is out of control. The whole the kids these days. That narrative's real. Yes. In football, though, the, um, the natural amount of attrition you're going to have a roster turnover about twenty to twenty five percent in a college football program pretty much every year. It's always been like that. The difference is that when you know the ninth string running back who's been on campus for one year leaves, Skyline Sports tweets about it.
1: Exactly. And I hate saying it this way, but it, it's kind of how this trans how you can differentiate the transfers from the football side of things to basketball in football it seems it's more trimming the fat right when, when you're going through For a sure. roster and that's no disrespect to anyone, but it's more of like okay your core of guys yep. they're, they're going to stick with it trim the fat maybe the guys that don't want to be there and it's not a good fit schematically all those things those are the guys you're seeing transfer from the football side of things from basketball you might see the star of a, of a crappy team that is averaging 14 and 10 go hey I can go play on a better team with a, in a better location, in a better league. Long story short, circling back to vegan, the core players, you're right, that are on the committee are going back and, and telling these guys, basically, I mean, the, the question within Bobcat football right now is... Okay, can we sustain this thing? We do not want to take a step back. Well, how do you do that? You keep the core of players together. You keep the core bought in to where they are going to see a Brent Vegan. If If you're a lineman right now for Montana State or a running back, how can you not love this hire that they are? Because they are bridging the gap as closely as they can from a style standpoint of where their roster is at. And then it's up to Vegan to kind of go a direction from there. But knowing that the transition might not be as rough as it was. I mean, if you bring a Lubick in or someone to go spread and everything in between, I think it's important to note with Vegan as well, we talk a lot about quarterback development. I already know we're already going to the next stage here of of analysis, but, hey, we'll bounce all around. I know we'll talk about Brent Vegan plenty on the show the next couple days throughout the week. There is this guy in Buffalo for sure, named Josh Allen that he recruited, he coached, he developed him. And he went to a, obviously, as a top 10 NFL draft pick. So I think that has to excite Bobcat fans more. of Okay, this guy's coming in. He's he's sticking to our strengths with big old line play. And maybe, maybe... Montana State can develop a quarterback too during his time. And it's not just Josh
0: Allen, right? It is Nuanas now, 1029 ESPN, Missoula, statewide SWX Montana television. Riley Corcoran in studio with me, Coulter Nuanas. It is the Montana Football and Basketball Hour pre- presented proudly by Stockman Bank. When you bank with Stockman Bank, You receive personalized customer service, and your phone call is answered by a live person every time. Their highly skilled and personable bank staff is dedicated to making it easy to transfer your account and meeting your overall financial needs. Blending traditions, Western values with modern conveniences, and state-of-the-art technology, Stockman Bank provides time-tested products and services from people who truly care about you and your financial success. Stockman Bank, Montana's brand of banking. It's not just Josh Allen, right? They brought Brock Jensen to North Dakota State, and and if it wasn't for the three guys that came after that, Brock Jensen would be considered one of the great quarterbacks to come out of the FCS in the last 10 years. He went to the NFL. He was a backup for the Miami Dolphins for several years, and now he's in the CFL. Great player. Then they brought in and developed Carson Wentz. Vegan didn't get to see that all the way to his fruition, but he also helped recruit and start the development of Easton Stick. And then Josh Allen. So you're talking about... Jensen was a six-round pick. Wentz was the number two overall pick in the entire draft. Uh, Stick was a fifth-round pick, and then you coach Josh Allen. Here, the thing is, they know how to recruit and develop quarterbacks. It's very clear. The biggest knock I've heard on Vegan from the people that cover Wyoming is that, well, why don't we use the stud quarterback that we had? That's the thing that's crazy. Is when you look at Josh Allen's production in college, is largely negligible. He's he had very pedestrian stats. It's amazing that in the NFL, like year two and year three in the NFL, he's just blown his college stats completely out of the water. And it's because they're running a completely different system. But that's the irony of this whole thing is that they brought Josh Allen in, they developed him, and a lot of people would say they didn't let it, they didn't cut him loose. But on the other hand, not cutting your quarterback loose is probably the style Montana State needs right now.
1: Yes, it fits exactly with where MSU's at. And I think, I, you know, of course, you're scrolling through Twitter, the 15 minutes when everything's blowing up. And I saw a couple comments from Wyoming fans of... Uh, Okay, great. Three dives and a punt. We get that out of the way. So there's always going to be just the the criticism of a style and everything in between. But when it comes to Brent Vegan, there, there is nothing to talk about as far as he knows how to develop quarterbacks. And I think it's super exciting if you're a Montana State football fan right now to come up on this guy's name because I think this the narrative around this search was, oh man, oh man, we're we're down the the ladder as far as choices, fifth, sixth, seventh choice. And it turns out to me on paper that this guy, I mean, he checks all the boxes. Sure. Now my question to circle back to now is how much of the North Dakota State success plays a part in this because we've seen it. I mean, even from the top level, right, and I'm going very quickly on this, but you go Belichick in his coaching tree, Nick Saban in his coaching tree. Mm -hmm. What, right, that's NFL rank and the FBS rank. Well, in the FCS rank, who is it? It's North Dakota State. So you try and grab a piece of that success anywhere you can. How much do you think that played a factor, if at all, or is it just now easy for us to look at hindsight and be like, oh, well, hey, he's got the North Dakota State flavor. knows how to win over there, too.
0: That's the interesting part, too, is if, if you wouldn't have had all the reporting that we did at com, <laughs> You ruined it, Colton.
1: You
0: ruined it. And, and you do, I think that the, the timeline is up for criticism no matter what. That said, I think that if Montana State hired a guy who was an FBS offensive coordinator who had won three national championships at the premier program in the FCS, I think you'd be pretty excited about that. And, and I think that that's the other testament to Montana State. There's two factors here. One... I think the fact that even if you want to bemoan this and say Montana State didn't get their first or second choice, so there was a bunch of guys in the mix, and they ended up having to go with this guy. The fact that Brent Vegan, even if he was your quote-unquote fourth or fifth choice, the fact that that's where you're at as a program, I think is a good place to be. The other thing is, too, though, I thought that this search put on just high alert, such a stark magnifying glass on... Truly the gap between the premier programs in the FCS and any program that's in the power five. When you offer a guy a job and he walks out the door and his phone rings and he gets a six figure raise before he even gets to his truck.
1: How do you compete with that? You can't. And that's another reason why even going back to Jeff Choate, I mean, it wasn't even a decision when you put right. the money. I mean, come on. It's a different level that they're playing. Brent vegan. Don't kid yourself. Brent vegan is still taking a pay cut. But it's, sure. it's at least close enough to where it was manageable or worth it in his eyes. But the money gap culture is getting scary. It really is from an FCS perspective. Someone that covers Montana and Montana State religiously, that it's like, yeah. I, where do you go from
0: here? And it's it's even more scary because of the real estate markets in the two towns, particularly in Bozeman. Like right now, the last cl- closing of they do this quarterly, but the last closing of median home prices in Bozeman. Had the median home price in Bozeman at six hundred eighty seven thousand dollars. Oh my gosh! If you're making a two hundred six thousand dollar base salary and you're gonna like th- you're gonna have a hard time buying a house. I mean, you're gonna be able to get a mortgage or whatever, but you're not gonna be living fat. Then that's crazy. You think Kyle
1: Brennan used that? Ex- I mean, he reason did. as well. I he mean, did. and we're not talking to. I mean, a lot of people out there going, no, "Oh, I mean, I, I don't f- want to feel bad for a guy making over two hundred grand being grand right. vegan." It's not about. Oh, him though. It's about the staff that he wants to bring in in place. Yes. Hey, guys, come to Boson with me. You're gonna make sixty to seventy grand. Oh yeah, the the median house price is about six hundred thousand. But hey, we're it's gonna be fun. You, you, it's unrealistic.
0: As of December 2020. The medium home price in Lincoln, Nebraska, is two hundred and twenty-four thousand dollars. Matt Lubick is making five hundred and fifty thousand dollars in Lincoln.
1: So you got $502,0. Okay. So you're
0: basically you're saying you're asking a guy to take a three hundred and fifty thousand dollar pay cut from his base salary to come to a place where a house is going to cost three times the amount of money. It's just not going to happen. I mean, you have to have an incredibly special and passionate person. That's why I thought when Trent Bray uh, rose up. First of all, he was a linebacker's coach at Oregon State, so he, he wouldn't have had to take that big of a pay cut.
1: And you're saying, just to recap for people, that it did come down to those two at the end, Bray and Vegan. Those two were the, the guys that I had in my top
0: two guys coming out of the weekend. And uh, Bray, whose father, Craig Bray, was Dennis Erickson's defensive coordinator for uh, about 25 years. They were together at uh, Idaho, Wyoming, Washington State. Briefly at Miami, even though Sonny Lubick was the D.C., but Bray was the secondary coach. They were together at Oregon State, um, Arizona State, so they, they were together at a lot of different stops. But I know both Craig Bray and Trent Bray have houses in Dillon, Montana. That was the whole thing with Jeff Choate, too. When when Jeff Choate took this Montana State job, he was making a bunch of money at the University of Washington as the D-line coach. And so people were saying, well, why did Choate take this back in the day? You know, five years ago, what's the difference between that and, and Ken Wilson? Well, Choate... Played football at Montana Western. Choate's wife is from Dillon. Like, when you know about Montana and you want to live in Montana, that's why I thought Jeff Fisher maybe had some legs, because Jeff Fisher loves Montana. You can get FBS Power 5 coaches to take pay cuts to come live in Montana if they already love Montana. If they don't know much about Montana, they're not going to do it. And so uh, I think that – and, you know, Lubick did have deep ties to Montana as well. But here nor there. So here we are now, Brent Vegan, the new head football coach for the Montana State Bobcats. Way more on this as I was we gonna continue say, to got, march through. I've got through.
1: thousands of questions even for you here. Yeah, so here's we're going to circle back.
0: Here's what we're going to do. We're up against it, but we are going to uh, get into some hoops as the Montana Football Slash Basketball Hour marches on. The Montana Football and Basketball Hour is proudly presented by Stockman Bank, Stockman Bank, Montana's brand of banking. Nuwana's on now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide SWX Montana Television. Back after this.
2: Hi, this is Kim from the Wingate in Missoula. If you need a break from the everyday same old, same old, we want to be your home away from home. With comfortable rooms, a great breakfast, and a super fun indoor water park, the Wingate of Missoula is the ideal place for a quick getaway without having to go away. Let us give your family a little quality time together or ask us about our birthday parties. Work like an adult, play like a child, and sleep like a baby at the Wingate of Missoula.
1: Standing
0: on me now? I can't tell you the feelings that you get when you're a journalist that chases these stories. I know some people think this is inconsequential. I know my buddy, our good buddy, Sean Rainey, SWX Montana. I know you're watching Sean. He's always like, man, you just tell me when the coaching search is over. Like, I'll I'll analyze it when we know who the guy is. You can go sit there and chase all your candidates and whatever. But me, I don't know. I love it. I think it's really fun. I think it's really fun to reconnect with all the people that you get to reconnect with. I mean, I've talked to like 75 former coaches and players. It's cool to just, you know, be able to talk to those guys and and reconnect with guys. And it's also cool because it reminds you just how much people care about the programs that we cover.
1: Oh, my gosh. I think that's the biggest takeaway from all of it. I I kind of compare it a little bit to National Signing Day. And where Sean's at, I'm kind of more... For that on National Signing Day, just just tell me about the guys once they sign right, rather than right. chase them around, of, okay, their final three or this and this. But the coaching searches, I'm fascinated by every angle of it and just the connections too, right? Sure. I mean, you mentioned, go. okay, well, Bray, because of Erickson's defensive yep, coordinator, like yep. it, everybody is connected and the coaching circles and collegiate, just collegiate sports in general, you'd be surprised at how much. It's all about who you know, not what you know, right?
0: Well, that's what was so uh, funny about this coaching search too. You talk about the 17-member committee. Well, one of the members of the committee is College Football Hall of Famer Dennis Erickson. Dennis Erickson played quarterback for Montana State in the late 1960s, started his career coaching for Sonny Holland, and then went on to as high a heights as any guy that with ties to Montana has ever reached. He was a phenomenal coach, uh, winning a couple national championships at Miami, but also coaching at Oregon State, Arizona State, some of their best times, as well as having multiple stints in the NFL as well. And he was sort of the tie that binds for almost all of the candidates except Brent Vegan, who's now the head coach for Montana State. At least we're we're still trying to fully, fully, fully get this hammered in, but I got two sources that say that the football scoop report is accurate. The Bozeman Daily Chronicle is reporting
1: it too, so I think we can say that it's pretty much a done deal. if, If Brent Vegan pulls a Kyle Brennan, Oh, buddy. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm saying. I think it's a done deal by now.
0: No question. This is the Montana Basketball Hour right here on Nuanas Now. We're going to shift into basketball now, uh, the Montana Basketball Slash Football Hour, the first hour of every Monday show proudly presented by Stockman Bank of Montana. Stockman Bank invites you to experience the Stockman difference as a family-owned community bank with locations throughout the state of Montana, Stockman Bank is committed to enriching the lives of Montanans and helping communities succeed. What that means for you is your money stays in the local economy, supporting your friends and neighbors. We've been breaking all this football news on SkylineSportsMT.com. We also cover a whole, whole lot of hoops on there as well. Stockman Bank has definitely helped me out with helping build Skyline to the point at where it's at. So go, go see them. They're, they're going to help you out there like your neighbors, and they'll definitely be your friends as well. we got to talk hoops. You rode the bus. For a long time, from here to Portland and back. Uh, quickly, we'll give you the scores from over the weekend uh, from all four of the Division I teams from in Montana, and then we'll break down a, a couple of the elements of the men's games. Uh, the women were at home this last weekend. Montana State, I mean, first of all, my God, Weaver State couldn't be worse. And I'm not trying to pile on here, but, I mean, this is a team that set the Division I record for turnovers in a season last year, and they're worse this year. Oh. Montana State straight ran them out of the gym. I, I'm still looking through the record books. 102 to 51. I mean, I've never seen a fifty point margin of victory in in, in, in a conference, a conference game. game. I've never seen that. No. And so, so then Montana State, they tried to pull the they tried to pull the dogs back a little bit on Saturday still and they couldn't. still beat them by 30. Jeez. I mean Trisha Vittra was playing her whole bench. Every single she played twelve players and every single person scored. They scored 85 points with one player being in double figures. That's how much they Whoa. were just laying it on Weaver State. So Montana State, they're the hottest team in the state right now. Uh, they've won six in a row. They're sitting there at 8-2 and two in league play. The Lady Grizz, uh, last week on Around the Big Sky and Women's Hoops with Krista Redpath, our main talking point with Lady Grizz was how they could not let being swept by Montana State linger and then bite them against a Portland State team that's just not that good. It happened on Thursday. Portland State beats them at the horn. Kylie Jimenez hits a, a floater with about two seconds to play and Montana loses. Well, they had the, the bounce back that they needed. They drilled Portland State on Saturday and uh, that w- Montana, Montana had to have that win. They absolutely had to have it. They couldn't have a, a four-game losing streak including the rivalry games coming out. Of that
1: well, and of Especially three at home. I mean, that just doesn't happen. We've talked about the, the lore of the program and everything in between, but you just don't lose at home. I mean, I think Robin Selvig and his career at Dahlberg Arena, you can't be on a streak like that. They needed a win in the worst of ways. Thursday was a heartbreaker for a lot of different accounts of how they just couldn't come away with that, but a big bounce back win and believe it or not i mean it's funny because we break it down leading up to the week like "Eh, what do you think's gonna happen yeah probably a split for both well sure enough both teams split again conference standings i mean the lady Grizz are still there they're just they're tied for fifth right now still at a chance for the bye which i know now as we transition to the men's side of things it's a little bit different i for the first time this weekend i saw separation to me i I, I see four teams on the men's side that are a skosh better than everybody else. I'm curious to say your take. I got to follow Weber, Montana State yeah, as well, but yeah. you got to watch them both. Yeah, uh, and, that, and
0: that's my main take. is now 102.9 ESPN, Missoula, statewide, SWX, Montana Television. Riley Corcoran joining me in studio. My number one impression, I I texted my brother this. Some of the schools on the Pluto TV broadcasts, they show the warm-ups and... Uh, They did show the warmups before the Weber State game. And I texted my brother before the game even started. I said, well, Randy remade his roster. I mean, Coach Ray, he brought in, he talked about it on this show. He said, hey, you know, I've never been much of a transfer guy. I've always tried to develop my guys. But he said, we were falling behind. We needed to get older and better in a hurry. And so they brought in seven transfers. They replaced their entire starting lineup. They graduated two guys in Cody John and Jared Harding. But they brought in five, count on five, Division I transfers that all start and he remade that thing instantly. You could tell just in warm-ups. I, I told my brother, like, man, Weber's got dudes. And then they just had a straight-up track beat with Montana State, scored 96 ooh, ooh, points. It a good
1: defensive team, by yeah, the way, Montana too. State
0: was leading the league in in points allowed in, in league play, and Weber goes out and shoots 67% in the second half, 62% overall, and wins 96-88. They locked it in a little bit more uh, on Saturday, but Weber State just has a ton of firepower. And, I mean, that was my number one impression was – I've, I've been kind of down on the league this year. I've been wondering what I thought of Montana State because they have been off to this great start, but they also got to miss a couple of the better opponents in the league because of cancellations in Southern Utah and Montana. I've been down on Montana, and we're going to get into them in a minute because they have just been frustrating as all hell to watch. But – I, I didn't. I, I like Southern Utah, but I, I'm not sitting there thinking this team is absolutely elite. I thought Eastern Washington's been underwhelming. Well, I'll tell you this: after what I've seen so far this year in the Big Sky Conference, Weber State's the most talented team in the league. They're, they're the best team in the league that I've seen.
1: And I think too. And you got to watch them with your eyes, right? And for me, the process of, of prep throughout the week is one of the. Ge- of my job I enjoy the most, right? You, you dive into a team, you, you figure out every single angle and, and you see of what makes a team successful or, or how they are maybe struggling throughout the year. Well, you want to know what I did back on my 11-hour bus ride? It was do my Weaver State spotter board. I got yeah. ahead for the week. Well, was able to just absolutely dive into this team. Coulter, it is impressive on a lot of accounts what they're doing. All five of their starters are averaging double figures. Listen to some of these offensive numbers. I don't want to get too stat-heavy here, but they are top 10 in the nation. Out of 350 teams, they are top top 10 in the country in scoring offense, 85 points per game. Field goal percentage, 52% from the floor. Third in the country shooting 42% from deep. And then they make 10 three-pointers a game. I mean, they've scored 80 or more. 10 out of their 15, and they're a perfect 10-0 and 0 in doing so. They are loaded, and they're balanced throughout. When you just look even at their stats... It's what completes a team. They have great assist numbers, they share the ball well, they can attack you from different angles, and some of these players that have really risen up to the occasion. I mean, Isaiah Brown, he's a he's a grad transfer Grand Canyon from Northwestern as well. And the guy that was just named Big Sky Player of the Week, Sigu Sehojo Jawara. Man, th- you're a pro. Thank you. I'm trying to uh, practice here for Thursday and Saturday. And one more time, that's Sigu Sehojo Jawara. It's a transfer from Loyola Marymount. He is from Spain initially. His last four games. I mean, he's averaging over twenty a game, shooting seventy percent from the floor, and twelve of fifteen from uh, three point rings. He
0: straight up didn't miss on Man. on uh, on Thursday. I mean, he.
1: How fast do they play? I'm curious. This pace they
0: play fast. He, here's the thing that they got, and this this is. When we first started Skyline Sports, Weber State was the best program in the league. Travis DeCure just taking the Montana State, or excuse me, the Montana job, and Brian Fisher just taking the Montana State job. I thought both those programs would be coming for sure, but at that moment, Weber was the best program in the league. They had Jamie Sanglin, Joe boy, Zach Braxton. They they were stacked. They had a lot of really good players. The last five years, they the last five years have been the last. I guess I should say the last four seasons have been the worst four seasons of Randy Ray's. Tenure at Weber State. Four
1: straight years without a Big Sky title.
0: That's right. And four straight
1: years without even a top three finish. I
0: think they might have tied for third one year.
1: For Randy Ray, sorry to interrupt here, 14 regular seasons he's coached, nine of the first ten years, to your point, he's been in the top three. Hasn't been since. So that drought continues. In the last two years, they're just under five hundred in league play. So to further your point, yes, it's been a down couple years. They they won the league
0: five out of ten times in Randy's first ten seasons, and he was the Big Sky Conference coach of the year four times. And I just thought that a lot of different factors in their program had kind of fallen off. They weren't bringing in quite the same caliber of player. And that's not to say they didn't have good players. They had good players. They used to, just used to have like the the two best players that we were the two best players in the league. Usually besides the guys at Montana, that's how it always was like the best players in the league were at Montana and Weaver. They kind of had a little bit of a dip in their recruiting. Well, here's the thing that, that coach Ray has done. And this is such a testament to him and his staff. You can say, okay, we're going to revamp this whole thing and bring in a bunch of transfers usually that results in Southern Utah-type regular seasons where you're up and down, nobody knows their roles, and maybe you're just hoping to peak at the end, and then maybe you go make a run in the tournament, which Southern Utah has done with transfer-heavy rosters the last couple of years. When you watch Weber State play, they play fast, they got really explosive athletes, they got great shooting, but the thing that sticks out the most is they share the ball. And Coach Ray said that on this show last week, and he, I, I'm hopefully he's going to join us again tomorrow. I'm pretty sure he is. Uh, but he... He said that's that's where we needed to get to was sharing the ball, and now we are. And so now they have a little bit of momentum, too. And so I just I think that they're a really scary team. I mean, they were the most impressive team I have seen so far. It's going to be a handful for the Grizzlies. Here's what we're going to do. It's the Montana Basketball Hour presented by Stackman Bank. I got some questions for you about the Grizz as well as this upcoming matchup against Weber State as well. So we're going to take one more break and come back at you with the Montana Basketball Hour right here on Nuanas Now.
2: to more.
0: Break it down! Welcome back. Nuwana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula. Statewide, SWX Montana Television. You might have heard it was the Super Bowl yesterday. You also might have heard Montana State has a new football coach as of about uh, an hour and a half ago. But we got to finish up talking about basketball as we Put a bow here on the Montana basketball slash football hour. Riley Corcoran in studio with me, Coulter Nuanas breaking down all things Bobcat football, head coaching opening, Big Sky Conference basketball around the state of Montana. We give you a little recap of uh, the women's games and the Montana State Series at Weaver State. But now we got to get into the Grizz. Grizz basketball was on the road this weekend at Portland State. They struggled mightily. On offense on Saturday, or excuse me, on Thursday, 24 turnovers, the most turnovers that Portland State has forced this entire season. And that's saying something because that's what they do. And uh still Montana was able to gut out a 70 to 64 victory. Montana was losing this game for 37 minutes. They did not lead for one second in the second half. But Riley Beasley hits a thirty-footer uh, at, at the horn to force overtime, and then Montana actually wins going away. So Riley, you were there in person. By the way, great call on uh, on Beasley. That has to be thrilling when you get to actually call the actual buzzer. Deal. It,
1: it was very thrilling, and it's one of those moments where. And as the years have gone on, you think, okay, am I going to script out this moment? The best moments. Or like what happened on Thursday. You don't expect that to happen whatsoever. The Grizz were dead in the water. That's when the raw emotion comes out too. So that was thrilling. If I had to sum up this two-game stretch for Montana compared to maybe Sacramento State, I remember coming on the air with you the the following Monday, Tuesday, and kind of had some optimism. Well, my message here is that not all splits are the same. And this split feels so much different than the split over Sacramento State. This was... There's no bones about it. This was a step back for Montana. They they struggled all weekend offensively, and, and they found a way to win on Thursday. And that that's great. That was the sign, like okay, maybe maybe they, they kind of got lucky. They they for sure overcame here for all the heartache that they've had. They would probably do one of those, right? Sure. A thirty footer go in, you win in overtime, a game you trailed most of the game. But the fact is, through thirty nine minutes of game action against Portland State, with one minute to go in both games, Montana had fifty one points on the board. That's it. They, they massed that with 70 in overtime on Thursday, and then you saw 56 Saturday. The flow that we talked about against Sacramento State was just non-existent. And it's ironic because Sacramento State's one of the top defensive teams in the league, and Portland State's been at the bottom of the league as far as defense is concerned. But Montana couldn't get it going. It just seems that the same issues are starting to rise up. They can't get the same core players going on the same night. That Yeah, you might have a night where Robbie Beasley shows up with 14 and hits a game-winner. Brandon Whitney's great. But then you don't have the post-play and vice versa. And it's just been that kind of season where they lack consistency. I know that's a word that me and you want to talk about when it comes to this team because consistency and expectations are exactly where yeah. I think we're at with Montana basketball. Consistency, we know it's not there. They keep their close with trying to tease us a little bit that – but. Through a weekend, it just hasn't been there with coming up with two wins. As far as the expectations, that's another element.
0: Montana Basketball Hour presented by Stockman Bank of Montana. When you bank at Stockman Bank, your money stays in the local economy, helping your friends and neighbors. They're only in Montana, and they plan to keep it that way. 36 locations statewide. Montana. Montana's brand of banking, Stockman Bank. Oh, here's what... I, I said this... When, when Montana was 2-4 and four in league play, and they would lost those four games by a total of, what, I think six points, I, I said on this show that I thought it was only a matter of time before they broke, broke through, and then you'd have a, uh, just a landslide of confidence for the team. Now they're reaching this point in the season where they don't have a lot of games left. They don't have a lot of easy opponents left. You can say, well, good for them getting a, a win on the road on Thursday. And it is a team that's given Montana problems. But let's be honest here. Portland State's the second-to-last second last, team in the league. And they were playing without Amari McCray. Who's They're 6'10". The, who's, who's, who's the, I mean, he's a key to everything that they do. With the style that they need to play, they need to have a big guy. Arguably their best player was out. Exactly. So it's, it, the win is, you know, you got to get it, but you shouldn't have to struggle like that to get the win. And here's what I'm seeing when I watch Montana. You can talk about offensive execution, this, learning this defensive system, that, all this stuff, whatever. Throw it out the window. Montana's playing tight and they're not having any fun. Period. You can tell that there's no fun in the operation. And half of the if you're gonna play for a really hard-nosed, demanding coach like Travis DeCure, half of what the success is gonna come from is the passion for the game. I know that there's no fans in the stands. That's I think it's killing Montana more than any other team in the league because you're going to have guys that play way above their level at home, and they're going to you know you're going to get guys to become fan favorites and all this. I mean, like Brandon Whitney would be a darling in Missoula right now if this freshman would be would have been playing exactly how he's playing right now, and he would have had the support of the community. Also, not as your conference and all that, but I just see a team that looks robotic. They don't have flow. They're tight. There's no fun happening in the organization, and you just wonder, when is it too late to then re- regain and revitalize some of that confidence? Because here they are. I mean, this is uncharted territory now. Montana's 4-6 in league. Montana's never lost more than seven league games in an entire season under Travis DeKear. Their worst conference record is 11-7. and seven. They're already right there, and they still have Eastern Washington and Weber State on the horizon. So, um... You know, I don't think it's time to panic because, in terms of the overall program, because this, you know, there is a track record here. They are very young, but I just think that they got to get back to having fun if they want to have any sort of semblance of being watchable. Because right now they're just they're not watchable. I mean, fifty four and fifty six points in regulation, or I guess fifty four and fifty five points in regulation. Even in a split, that's just not going to cut it.
1: It's not, and I would say your assessment is spot on with this group right now because you just had the sense of, all right, are they going to – just get over the the hurdle. And they just haven't. And as far as a flow perspective is concerned, uh, absolutely. And guys like DJ Carter Hollinger, he's an energy player, feeding off the crowd, winning. And I think if we really wanted to break it down game by game, the, the squandering of leads in those home games yep. probably wouldn't have happened, right? And so sure. that that can be the the what-if factor. But I think expectations for this team really kind of cloud our vision with where they truly are. Yep. Uh, I think that coming in, into the year that you look at it okay they're they're a young group and i am one person though that that the youth excuse or factor has to be out the window by this point in the season yes i I think it is well and, and that and that's when you're talking about
0: if you want your program to be a next level program which is what this program looked like it was on the trajectory to be on and i still think could get back there but they just need to figure out a way to get back on track but you can say, okay, the, the two years ago, they lost the most talented squad in, in one of the most talented squads in the history of the school and the history of the league. They were still pretty good last year, but they had this meltdown at the end of the year. And you wonder if some of that stuff subconsciously haunts them. Who knows? But Montana State, their women's basketball team, was in a very similar situation to this Grizz men. The Grizz had six seniors, including some of the best players in school history, like Ahmad Rory and Michael Ogine. The Bobcat women last year had five seniors, including some of their best players in school history, like Fallon Frigie, who's the big-scale MVP. Montana State graduates all five of these young ladies. They bring in a group of exceptionally talented freshmen. They go through growing pains early, and then what happens? They learn the system. They start to click. Trisha Binford adjusts a whole bunch of things to cater to her roster, and they're rolling people now. And I think that they're the most dangerous team in the entire league as the youngest roster in the United States of America. Coach Benford talked about it after the Cat Grizz game. I said, "Well, what, what's it? What's it like for you and in your 16th year coaching the youngest team you've ever coached?" He said, "I'm having the most fun I've ever had in my life, and it shows. It shows, man. And I think that when you have a young team, I get that there's this structure and that there's this demand for the way that this Grizz program has operated under Coach Dakir." At some point, I think you just got to loosen up and let the guys just go play. Because if, if it's run this set, run this defense over and over and over again, if you're thinking, you're not performing. And that's in all sports, but particularly in basketball.
1: Enjoy the process. It's an overused phrase in sports, but it certainly applies to Montana right now. They're not enjoying the process because it comes, the, the reward at the end is winning games, having the crowd. Well, they're not having either of that right now. And, and to try and overcome it, it is going to be tough for them to do at this point. They've never finished outside of the top five under Travis Takir. Yeah. It would be a it would be really tough for this team to do that. Now, their next four games, I think it's safe to say they're the underdog. Two against Weber State, two against Eastern Washington. Then you play Idaho State and Idaho at the end. So you're down to eight regular season games. It seems to me at times, and we've had this conversation too, that if they just rolled the ball out there and said, hey, you guys go play basketball, yeah. it might be turn out to be just as efficient, if not maybe better, sometimes on the offensive and I think that end. That's,
0: I think that's honestly where the youth actually does have a lot of validity. Not in that you can use it as a quote-unquote excuse, but they just don't have a leader. That's the biggest difference between Montana... Like When we're comparing Montana Ben versus Montana State yeah. women, Montana State's women are so young. They are. They annoy when when the five seniors left. They anointed a leader instantly. They said, "Darren White, this is your program. This is
1: your team." Trisha Binford said that exactly,
0: right away. and they they propped her up. And I mean, I've talked with Coach Bin about it a lot. She said, "Hey, you know, Darren's a very shy person. She doesn't like the spotlight, but she told her like they they went in and said, here's all the things you need to be to be a leader,' including talking to the media. Now when you talk to Darren White, sounds like a straight savvy veteran. So I just think that that's where this Grizz team they're they're missing the guy to just pull you." Aside, I mean, that's. I think that last year, honestly, a lot of the deficiencies of the team were completely overshadowed by the fact that they had a
1: dude. Sage Prusak could just bring everybody in and say, "Hey, boys, whatever it is we're going through, this is what has to happen." And he did. He took that team on his back multiple times throughout the course of last year, too. Which, which did maybe cover up some of the the deficiencies that they had. Well, it also helps that he, you know. <laughs> It's, 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 you can lead by uh, verbal or you can lead by example. It
0: also helps when you can just go get eight buckets in a row, you know? So he was special. He was one of the great players that they've had in the program's history. That's it for the Montana basketball slash football hour, proudly presented by Stockman Bank. Stockman Bank has 36 locations statewide. When you bank with Stockman Bank, your money stays in the local economy, helping your friends and your neighbors. They are only in Montana, and they plan to keep it that way. There's a ton of Stockman Banks in Missoula, so it's very convenient near for Missoula. But it's also very convenient because if you travel around the state, there's going to be an ATM or or a banker as you go stop by and see. You're always going to talk to a person, no matter if you see them in person or you call them on the phone. They're Montanans serving Montanans. Let Stockman Bank show you the Stockman difference today. Stockman Bank, Montana's brand of banking. Hour one in the books. Hour two coming at you hot. Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. And maybe a little bit more on Montana State's new head football coach. Plus, the Knock On Sports, Anthony Nachran, are going to join us here in about half an hour. It is new on, is now. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here. And if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes. And they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear.